This is a headgum podcast. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to another episode of Just a Tip, the podcast that's equally about its tangents as it is about its tips. I feel like this episode doesn't have a lot of tips, many tangents, but such a delight talking to our guests today. Our guests, like it's not just me. I'm your host, Megan Batoon, and today my guest is an actress you maybe have seen on ABC, Freeform, TNT, Nickelodeon, Disney, Hulu, HBO Max, pretty much every single platform that you could see someone she's on there. She's also an activist and hosts her own podcast called In The Mix. It is none other than Gabrielle Elise. We talk about what it's like to be mixed race in America. We brainstorm possible ways that the world could probably be better. And I think that at one point I invent a new dishwasher variation. And we talk about the process and the secrets of being a creative. This is one of my favorite episodes. It was such a delight to talk to her. The energy was beautiful. And I hope you enjoy. I am so excited to continue talking to you. We just did a full hour podcast on Gabrielle's podcast channel Mm -hmm. called In The Mix. And it was so Fun. Thank you. I was so scared. I'm really when happy you, you had fun. <laughs> I, was really, I was like, oh no. It's, it's, like we were saying, it's always one of those touchy things where like it could go really, really well or really, really bad. There is no in between. So right. I'm happy it went upwards instead of downwards. It went so upwards. I like didn't think about some of the things that we talked about ever in life. Do you have guests on there often that say the same thing? Like, oh, I've never thought about this before. Actually, I would I would have to say that you were the f- you were the first. You were the first because I my first interview is was with Sharon C. Jackson and I I uh, he was just as mixed as I am. He was like one of the mixed unicorns. And I, when I found him, I was like, ah, yeah, one of those moments. So he was pretty he was pretty far along in his journey. And then the other people I've had were pretty pretty like knowledgeable in what they wanted to say and like very like they've sat in it for a while. Yes, but. At the same time, I feel like that doesn't really leave room for discovery. So having you being so open about your discovery, which is very on brand for you, (laughs) was really, really cool and really, really cool to listen to. So it was awesome. So it's called In The Mix. For anyone that doesn't know, why did you make it? Okay. Um, (laughs) So I know that nobody can see me, but um, I am a, I like to call myself a mixed woman of color. And um, my ethnic background is I'm black, Japanese, Filipino, and Scottish. And I grew up in Dallas, Texas, which is a primarily white place to live in the particular city that I lived in. And so cultural identity and self-identity was always really, really hard for me. And um, it wasn't until maybe like I was 22 where I really decided to go on this journey of finding out who I was and my cultural background was very much deeply embedded in who I was. Um, I'm also an actress and I aspire to be a director and writer and I wanted to make my own show about being mixed and it was really hard for me to write anything because this is a part of my life that I never really sat down and explored. Oh, Um, cool. Yeah. So, So, oh, neat. And I was like, I was like, because I would sit at my computer for hours and I'm like, I have nothing going on in my brain right now. And I, um, I had this random idea with my manager. I was like, well, what, what if I just put out like a random casting call and just sit and interview people about what it's like to be mixed? And he's like, well, why don't you do it as a podcast? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, listen, I didn't want it to be public. I just yeah, wanted yeah. it to be <laughs> you private. Want to research. I just want to do research. But, um, 
I sat and ruminated it for a while and it was insanely scary, but I'm just thinking about this just like right now is my, I used to get in trouble all the time growing up because I talked a lot <gasps> and I'm like, I, I joke about it now. I was like, well, my parents named me Gabrielle. The word, the gift of Gab is literally in my name. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, I might as well use it to my advantage and just get comfortable with being uncomfortable and just talk about it. Cause I, I, growing up, nobody really knew what it was like to be a mixed race person. Right. Um, and there's a ton of mixed race people in the entertainment business of all facets. And I was like, there we go. And here we are. So, wow. Okay. So it's basically like R and D like research and development of your next (laughs) big project. Yeah. Have you found a lot of new information by I have really, I really have. And it's, I always get so emotional after recording episodes. Really? <laughs> because I bet. it's like it's like with something I mean, as artists with something so risky and it play out and you find a thing of connection with somebody that also fuels your fuels your art. It's just like, okay, like I'm doing I'm do I'm doing I don't know if it's the right thing, but I'm doing something. Yes. Yeah. Well also like finding more answers from like if you do grow up with four different cultural backgrounds, that's gotta be so confusing. Yeah. And then you are like quite literally like paving your way of finding those answers because yeah. you're the one going like, what What do you feel like? Right. Do you feel like this? And then it, there's some connectivity, like you said. Yeah. And then a, a sense of belonging. And I think a lot of people that are mixed race, like we don't know where we fit and you have made a space for not only you, but like so many people like me that are afraid to talk about yeah. all the conflictions within us. And I, I literally thought it was only me who was scared to talk about it. Um, Because it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles where I found so many other mixed people. Mm. Um, I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, it was just, it it was nice knowing that I wasn't the only one that was scared to talk about something that was so, that is so fueled with a lot of stuff. Yeah. What does it feel like right now? And uh, this is like, I mean, I'm like, this is a vulnerable question, but like both of our podcasts are very vulnerable. So I'm like, <laughs> let's go. Um, what does it feel like right now to have Asian descent and black descent within one person in America right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I, we, we talked about it before even recording, but you know, I've, I've always been very vocal about, uh, black lives and, and the injustice that we face as a community every day. And, you know, growing up with a black father, it was very, very, uh, eye-opening to me. So that that's what I knew. Um, and a lot of people, when they see me and what I experienced growing up is like, oh, you're a black woman and just a black woman, even though that's not all that I am mm-hmm. proud to be one, not all that I am. Um, because in the households, Yes, we were black, but I also grew up on a lot of Asian uh, family values. So knowing that and facing the world with that, but having that Asian culture in my back pocket was weird to me. Right. So roundabout way saying is like, I was was very used to talking about uh, black issues, but then when this came around and it was being, and Asian hate crimes are are becoming more prevalent, even though they've always been there, um, I, I felt really weird speaking on it. Cause it was like, I've, I was always so loud about the other issues and I was really quiet about this issue mm. and it kind of made me feel shameful for doing so. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, this, this is a part of me. This is something that I know it's in my bloodline. It's mm-hmm. in my, like you said, it's in my body and it's like, it deserves just as much as just as much attention and, and help as the other one does, especially when the Asian community doesn't talk about this type of stuff. That's my, when, when, oh my gosh, I seriously, if you're listening to this podcast, you have to listen to our episode (laughs) on her pod because they're, I feel like they're so intertwined and I still haven't posted anything besides like a few infographics of like spreading true information because I also think like spreading misinformation is so, so easy yeah. because no one does their research. Mm-hmm. Somebody like puts a, an infographic on their story and it's like, well, did you actually like look at the, did you read the comments mm-hmm. and see if anybody else is like offering any other feedback? But I haven't posted a, a full thing yet because 
I'm still very conflicted about how I feel. I am half Asian, but as we talked about in your podcast, like having multi-races, it's like, you almost have to like pick and choose which one to like view the world in, like through that lens at the Mm -hmm. time. And so right now it's like, I was very vocal about Black Lives Matter in the past summer. And it was like, this is much harder for me because I am half Asian, but for some reason I'm like, it is not new. And so I'm mad that now you guys care. Right. But like, and at the same time, it's like, well, thank you for caring finally. Right. But I'm like, I have mixed feelings about that because it's like, okay, this isn't new. You're just understanding it now for some reason, because I guess the media is showing it, but even though it's the media is not showing it correctly. So that's already like, okay, we're, we have always been tossed aside and now we're tossed aside again because you don't care about getting the victims names. Right. Like it's oh, I just feel like Asian cultures never have mattered as much as like, they just, no one has like cared enough about Yeah, like that, that I feel like there's a different type. I'm not saying that it's right, but I've noticed is like, there's so much passion and fire for the Black Lives Matter. And then when it came to this, it was just like dwindled a little bit nobody really spoke on it so much. And it was like, it was there, but the outrage was very different. So different. And I wonder if it's because growing up in an Asian household, if it's like, we don't, we are not outspoken. Like we, we fit in our place and we do the thing that we are, that is expected of us. Yeah. It was just like a lot of people with Asian American backgrounds are like obedient. We are success driven. We are results oriented because that's the way that our parents who are immigrants learned how to survive in white supremacist America. Yeah. Right. And so like it's not their fault for teaching us those those elements of success, right? It's not their fault for going like the way that you get ahead is to like I have this Brazilian and black friend who said that like she had to take multiple showers per day so that she could be like super clean so that like people would accept her more because if she was like at all dirtier in any way that like she wouldn't be respected. Oh, heart wrenching. Oh, what? Wow. And so I'm like, I feel like with the Asian culture is like we, we put our head down and we do the work and we don't get in anybody's way. Yes. And I think that now that we're talking about stop Asian hate, it's like, I feel like we're, we're getting out of the way because we don't, I don't really know, like, and I don't want to say anything wrong. And also I can't speak for like fully Asian people. Right. Cause exactly, I am mixed. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. like, all I can do is like, oh, I know, I didn't know how bad it was, yep. but I also didn't know that people didn't think it's racist. Right. So right now I'm just like, I'm in the middle of like, yeah, duh, stop punching people. Right. What? Also stop being racist. Yeah. But it's like, you can't just tell someone to stop being racist. Like they're not going to go okay and then not be racist. <laughs> right. It's like, it's embedded in our culture. And like, I, I mentioned this on your podcast, like it's embedded in our society. It's embedded in in our, our founding foundation of America has been like, we are a racist country, the end. Like that's yep. the, the way to get ahead is to be white. Yep and male. Mm-hmm. And, and things have changed a lot from the declaration of independence, but like it, I don't know how independent we really are. I don't know if we have independence individually. I don't think we do. No, Mm-mm. because no, the police aren't caring unless property is being damaged. And with Asian lives right now, property is not being damaged. Just right. the Asian community is. Yeah. So of course People don't care mm. in America. Like police don't care. Right. Exactly. Because the police were never meant to serve and protect us. Yeah. They were meant to serve and protect. That's, it's so like, interesting that you say that because uh, um, I, I, um, one of the most illuminating things I ever did for myself was take an African-American studies class. And um, I'm looking for an Asian-American one right now, but um, cool. Yeah. It's I, uh, this stuff I feel like is required. I feel like colleges should make a, like a Chicano studies, African American, Asian American, either one absolutely of those required. Yes, um, because that's I, how I you learn change for so sure. much. I mean, and it, it made me feel good. Not only like I feel like my Asian student is like, huh, I'm learning stuff, and yeah. you don't know it, <laughs> but um, but also like as an ed- as a educated person, it's it is better to to speak on things when you like actually know the history of stuff. Oh, of course, and. Um, I, I did not know that the 
And I was so proud of myself. It was like, it was like a little art project that I did. And now my protest sign is like hanging on in my office. I love it. But um, what I didn't realize was uh, Slave Patrol is uh, where like has the uh, foundation of the police system. And if you look at the Slave Patrol badges and the police badges, they're the same. (gasps) The shape is the same. And uh, the like little dots at the end are the same and things like that. It is still the same. And it was eerie knowing that. Whoa. Yeah. There's so much that we don't know still that is probably going to be horrific to to uncover. uncover. But it's necessary. Of course. It's necessary. My thing is like, okay, I, from a person that doesn't know anything, right? (laughs) (laughs) Let me preface with that. I'm just trying to figure this out, especially right now. Like, I do think that with coronavirus, it has provided enough space and time for people to like actually wonder what they actually believe sure. and, like, and what are your values? What do you want? What do you believe? What, what makes you want to live the life that you want to live, right? Like people's mental health has rapidly changed for better and for worse during this time. And I think it's like, okay, now that the world essentially shut down, we have finally time to figure out what we actually think about things. And so now I'm sitting here on a podcast, like trying to discover this with you. So like, I don't even know that this is, this podcast will probably not be any advice, maybe a little at the end, but I think it's so fun to have this conversation because I think it's important to have these conversations whenever you can. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people were having them with me, which made me ignorant. And it made me, obviously like I'm white and Filipino. So I've had white privilege, like I'm white passing. And we spoke about this on your podcast a smidge, but like I learned to get by, by putting my white foot forward. Mm -hmm. And now I realize that like, like you said, like one of one facet of your cultural background is not who you are. Like you are not just black. You're a black and Japanese and Scottish and Filipino. You're four things that make the amalgamation of who you are. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not just white, even though it's helped me get so far. I have learned so much of how to play the white game in Ah, order to gain. Yeah. And now it's like, well, that's, I'm neglecting a whole half of who I am. Yeah. If I just, go the white direction. Right. Yeah, I can. White I, direction. I, the, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, can, I can get X, Y, and Z by whatever. But like, honestly, a lot of the reason why I'm where I am is because of my Asian values. Like yeah. hard work mm-hmm. and achievement and hospitality. Yeah. Like the, the best things about me are also, it's a mix of both of them. Yes. And so it's like, now, now that I know that, I'm going through a huge resurgence of what, who am I? And what does that mean? Like, I've done so much work in the mental health realm of like, who am I? Oh, I'm a person who has X, Y, and Z qualities. Now I can work on that. But like, okay, that's my mental health. But what about like my biological genetic yeah. makeup? Yeah. I have never discovered that before. So now I'm just like, okay, what does it mean to be mixed race in America? Yes. And it's a very convoluted answer. Yeah, I know. It's like, what do you, if someone asks you, like, what is it like to be mixed race? Like, what do you say? Um, no one's ever asked me that. So it's kind of just like, <laughs> I don't, wow, I don't know. Um, let's see. Like, uh, yeah, what is it like to be mixed race in America? And especially right now? I mean, in a positive sense, I feel like I, and we talked about this too, is like, I, I really do feel like, one of the most valuable things that has come out of being mixed race is that we're able to see a lot of facets of things. Um, I know it's made me a more compassionate person and um, it's, I don't know, it's me, it's kind of made me look deeper at things um, and not take things at face value. Um, It's made me want to do research and know the history of stuff. Um, And I also, I don't know if this is just me as a person or me as a mixed person, but it's like, I, I want to know the, like the value of someone like, mm. you know, I mean, I had a conversation with my dad about this is like, you're a black man. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. My mom, you're a Filipino Scottish woman. What does that mean to you? Um, and like, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, not, not, um, I keep wanting to say taking things at face value, but I feel like there's a different way of saying it to make my point. <laughs> it's not coming to me right now. Um, but it, it's, it's just like, um, oh, oh, there we go. Not being biased. Not being biased is what I was looking for. Um, 
and I feel like that really has helped me a lot um, in making a lot of connections that I really didn't know I would I would make before. And, you know, fighting so hard and being so vocal about Black Lives Matter has really fueled me wanting to, you know, do the same thing for Stop Asian Hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also fueled me as as a, a creative as well. Yeah. I love that. I don't, I don't know like exactly what it means to me. I mean, as I guess it's like, no, I know what it means, but it's like what it, what was your question? <laughs> I think, I think that like what you're going through right now is the exact definition of being mixed. Cause <laughs> yeah. you're like, I am mixed, but I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's such a nebulous thing. I guess now that, it, why aren't, Never mind. I was gonna say, like, why aren't people talking so much about Asian hate? But I think we talked about it on your podcast, but also for everyone that's Asian and mixed, we're confused on what to say. And I think that like that's the reason why I haven't said anything because I'm trying to find out like the, the perfect way of saying it. Like, do I is it just an Instagram post, which doesn't feel great, or does it is it like a post on the corner project, or is it this podcast? Like, what does it mean? But I I found a lot of solace and comfort in something I found. There's an Instagram account called Mixed Race in America, and it was like written by this girl. She DM'd the account owner and was like. I'm half Filipino and half white and it's heartbreaking to see uh, these Asian hate crimes, but I also don't know what to do. I don't feel Mm. Asian enough to say anything that matters. I feel like I need to be uplifting fully Asian voices. And it's like, yes, what is our space right now? Like, what do we do as mixed people to go like, yeah, this is a big problem. Uh, I also am very confused. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, like just going off of that is like, I know, I know from, um, talking to, to my, so it sounds so weird saying my black friends, um, <laughs> but my, my black friends is, I mean that so lovingly. So yes, <laughs> it feels so weird to say, but, um, is like in my, in my experience as well is like, uh, it's like this thing, or the thing I learned also is like the one drop rule is like um there was there was a law written somewhere that if if like if you have one drop of black blood you're black. Mm. And so which um even though we are we were divided because of the whole um house slaves field slaves the product that came out of that of mixed race people um but when civil rights came around it was the more voices that were amplified whether you were one drop half whatever made such a huge difference because mm-hmm. it was like, we're here, we're fighting, we're, we understand each other, even though there is that tiny barrier around, but we have similar experiences. And I, I think that's what kind of fueled me to talk about it. Cause I know, I know that helped so much and historically it helped so much. Um, so it kind of gave me like a comforting little, little push to do so. But at the same time, I was just like, I don't know if this is right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. If, if we as Asian Americans felt like the one drop rule, I wonder if everybody would be more vocal about it. I think they would. And not so confused. Like, yeah. I think we're all just very confused. Right. On, and not feeling like we're enough. Like if in the black community, if you have one drop, you, you fight for your community. Yes. So much easier to yeah. be like, we're all on the same page. The thing about, it's also so very hard because I don't know. I guess even in different Asian cultures, there's different values that like right. we do things differently. Mm-hmm. So like, I guess the one thing that we all do as Asian Americans is like, we don't talk about things. Yeah. Is that it? Did we just, is that it? <laughs> is that, did we just solve this huge problem? I'm I like, guess. because we don't talk, we don't talk about mental health. We no. don't talk about sex. We don't talk about no, yeah. any, especially if you're religious, like if you're a Catholic Filipino, oh, which is it. most forget Filipinos, it, yeah. you're not going to talk about anything yeah. that could like, like ruffle any Anybody, feathers. Yeah. So I'm like, are we not talking about this because we haven't been talking about it forever because we just put our heads down and do the work. And now that it's an issue, it's like, we are mad, but we're also like, we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. Because we don't talk about anything. Like we're conditioned and we are modeled to just like be tight lipped about anything that doesn't show our strength. Right. That's not good. No. 
And it's, that's more of a cultural thing. That's also a mental health thing. Yeah. And like the stigma about mental health, that actually makes me mad too. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'm an angry person at all. Right. I'm not either. I'm not either. So yeah. I remember going to a, a like a self-development seminar one time and the, it was like so bizarre. We were doing this one exercise where the, the instructors or like the people would walk around and like yell in our ears, like get mad so that we could like let out the trauma. Wow. Like so weird. And I was like, I'm not mad. I'm just so, what's the word I use? I didn't even say sad. I just, I said despondent. Like I'm like so low of like happiness because of all this sad stuff that's happened. But the thing is like, I think sad, I should do much more like research into like the psychological realm of this, but sadness and anger um, like are very intertwined. Yeah. Like if you, if you don't deal with the anger, you become sad. Yes. That sadness becomes depression. So it's like, if you, you gotta, you kind of have to get angry. Yeah. <laughs> and anger is like, we've all learned this from inside out. Anger <laughs> is like a good or sadness and anger. Everything yeah. Yeah. is in balance with one another. And like, there's a place for every emotion. And so I'm like, actually, what am I mad about? Like, I'm mad about racism in general. I'm mad about society. I'm mad about the government. I'm mad about the police. I'm mad about mental health. And that all just comes down to like people trying to control us and like Mm -hmm. what we think. Yeah. We've made it like so far by abiding by the rules. And like people have been fighting for black lives for a long time. People have been fighting for Asian, but like in different ways. Like I feel like the black lives matter movement has gotten so much more traction because it has been vocal. People have been fighting like out bodies have been out in the streets for years and years and years. I feel like, and it's also been like, it's white and black racism has been very prominent in films forever. 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 Like Gone with the Wind. Like one Mm -hmm. of the oldest films I've ever seen. Like horrific. If you, you, well, maybe not, but if you uh, want to either, I mean, it's education. It is educational. (laughs) Is it essential? Probably not. But- um, cause I'm, I mean that, but like, you don't need to see this film to know that this sure. is a real serious issue, but birth of a nation, awful movie. Oh man. <laughs> awful movie. It was, uh, made in, I think in the 1940s and like people are dressing up in like white actors are pretending to be black actors. And it's like the way that they portray us is like so yeah. cartoonish and yes. awful. Right. But it was like, it was like renowned and like even James Baldwin was like, it is kind of a masterpiece. And like when I, I read that and I was like, Sh-, I was like, shut the F up. That's not, no. No, no, because the meaning like it showcased how how systematic racism I is get, in this country. Right, like, it's I mean, so you, uncomfortable and it's painful, but it's almost like, like that was reality was at like, one oh, point. I, I was like, oh, I get, okay, I understand, right? I understand, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but I just it's been there. It's been the dawn right. of time. Like it's we've crazy. all known. Yeah, like anyone in America who's seen any film or TV show, like they've seen racism portrayed on screen. And I've I've I wrote a paper about like. I'm like, because of XYZ films, I feel like stereotypes are are so embedded in media and media yes. is so powerful. Oh my gosh. The the reason I know anything is because like in the beginning, like now I do research. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I only watch Netflix. No, but like so many things. I've learned as a kid by, I pick it up off of like what we watch. Like we are so easily influenced by media in every way, especially as a woman in America with like diet culture and understanding like beauty societal norms and like fitting into like what we think is pretty because of what the magazines tell us. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's why I think it's like, there's so many battles being fought right now in so many ways and it's so beautiful. And that's why I think that like not one person can do everything, which is also why I have like, as people with influence, I think it's interesting that people want us to speak about every single issue. Yeah. Because first of all, we are entertainers first. Like you're an activist. I I am a mental health advocate. I'm not everything. Right. 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 Like how can one person be educated in every single thing that we need to fight to like make the world a better place. We right. can't. Yeah. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. So like, I guess this is for like people listening. Like if you're looking up to somebody, if they're fighting for something, that's good. Yeah. They're, they are holding one corner of the room down. Like I, I just th- think that putting something on everybody is hard, very hard. Yeah. 
and all that to say, the media, it, maybe it starts with changing how everyone is portrayed in media. And I think it's getting better. Yeah, I definitely I, do. I, I would argue that too. But like media plus like integrating something in like scholastics, like you were saying, like adding. Ah! Sorry guys, that was my, my watch. My watch. Like adding something in the curriculum that's like learn about different cultures. Yes. Because it's, it does come down to education. Like when, when all of the resources were floating around about how to help black lives during last summer, it was like, oh, we have all of these books. We have all these mm-hmm. documentaries. We have like the war on drugs. We can learn so much that we weren't taught in school. Oh, I was so ignorant. I didn't know. It's also, it's not your fault in the beginning until it is your fault. Yeah. Like once you're, once you go, oh, this is a real problem. Yeah. It is now your responsibility to be a good human and to help change the world by like doing your research. Mm-hmm. And so- it's like, if we, if we are able to embed something into curriculum, which I don't know how to do that. I'm not a teacher, right. but like, if you are listening and you're like, I don't know, on the PTA or something, or like, you know, like when you watch movies and, and people are like arguing about the, like the Cheetos in the vending machine yeah. about like their kids, <laughs> like it's not organic sun yeah, chips. You're yeah. like, can, what? Like, right. why are we fighting about the snacks? Yeah. Why are we fighting about like the pizza? Like, right. why don't you say something more about what's actually right. going to help people? Yeah. 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 Because like, I think we mentioned it, but like, it was like, it begins at home. The yes. education begins at home. Right. So you can, you can have so much education in your family. And I know, I know from my experience, like my family was very much like, you're not different. We love you. But when I, uh, and like you're, the fact that you're four different things didn't matter. That's not what was led with. I didn't ever feel different in my household. But when I got outside, of course I'm going to feel different because of how America was shaped. Right. And it's, and it's like, I feel on the mental health realm is like, if we, if we embedded some of that in school or some, some of it in the outside world where like people growing up, minorities growing up could just like go to a safe space and get educated and other people can get educated as well. Yeah, I don't know. I think that would make a world of difference if there was like something in school that could happen. Yeah, I think on like education and exposure at the same time, because you were saying that, you know what, before we get into this, this is a whole nother topic. We're going to take a quick break so I can eat the rest of my little snack. (laughs) I've been like thinking about the Colby Jack cheese Um, and we'll be right back. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, I had some Colby Jack cheese. I'm fine now. He's fueled now. We're all good to go. (laughs) Every time, every time I feel like I eat any type of cheese, I just think of Gus Gus from Cinderella. I I think of Gus Gus. Really? Oh my God. I make that little noise to my boyfriend. like. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's our favorite thing to do to each other. Sometimes we're eating, it's so gross. 
I love that so much. Oh my God. I used to have that joke with one of my boyfriends too. It's so funny. Yeah. I love that. I would call it a scene too. I love that scene. He was like, it's not a scene. It's literally like five second clip of him. Like, like, no, it's a scene. It deserves to be a scene. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. It's the whole film. It's Gus Gus eating cheese. (laughs) Um, Okay. But we were talking about education, but also exposure because you grew up in Dallas. I grew up in Jacksonville. You said that Dallas didn't have a lot of diversity. So when you moved to LA, did you feel better in terms of like the fact that it was more of a melting pot? Yes. And you, I did. Okay. And it was, it was equally scary and exciting to me. Mm. Yeah. I feel like this is from my experience of like moving from Jacksonville, which was like, it's a mixture of, I would say like, I think a pretty good mixture of like white, black, and Asian, honestly, which is really cool. Cause I didn't, I would never think like Jacksonville to be like a melting pot. Yeah. But when I came to LA and started being like getting into the entertainment industry and just seeing so many different people, like minorities in power. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Cause I was like, oh, I here this is a female director and this is a person of color, like EP. This is cool. Yeah. The, okay. So cool. Great. Now I had like, role models that yeah. I, that I could see like, Oh, this people aren't disc- I mean, every, every person of color, like has discrimination in some way, like on the spectrum. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I would see would not be the discri- discrimination, but like the, um, like the reward I would see like, Oh, these people put in positions of power, like making changes and being like, Oh, this is doable. Right. Like I can make a change because yeah. all these people are like paving their own way. So I'm wondering if maybe it's like, I guess I just, I'm confused about the mind of a racist because I don't understand what that would be like. Sure. Maybe it's like they don't have exposure. They don't have education in that way of like understanding other people's cultures. But at the, the base level of it, I guess what I really don't understand is like, the humanity aspect. Yeah. Like that part, like sometimes I'm like, okay, they're uneducated. They're, they're unexposed. But what about like being a person? Right. Right. That part I don't get. And that's exactly where I get tied up to. Um, cause I completely agree with the, with the, you're not educated, non-exposure. And you know, if people are taught this at a young age, you're going to believe it when that's you're- That's what, yeah, yeah. If that's what's modeled to you and you don't know anything else. Right. It's not your right. fault in the beginning. But it's, it, it is, it's so baffling to me that it's just like, I don't understand how you could just treat another person like this. Yeah. Um, or like even, even like the microaggression stuff that, you know, people get as minorities and I've gotten before. I'm just like, how, like, does it not cross your mind to yeah. like, like maybe I should say that to right, someone like, today. How like, is that okay? Like what's the, there's so many things that we think in a day. Yeah. We don't say all of them. Right. Why are you saying that crazy weird <laughs> thing? Like <laughs> what, what part of your brain didn't have like the goalie to be yeah. like, you're not going to, I was going to say, I was like, where's your, where's your wall guard, sir? Like, sir, yeah. sir, <laughs> your wall guard, please. <laughs> be fixed. Like so confusing, but What's cool about our position as creatives in media, like you said that you were going to write a film on this or you're going to write a project about it. Like how cool of a position do you have as a mixed race person that can like make media for other people to see as young children or even adults that can change their minds? Yeah, I feel like that was, that was really one thing that was like super as so scary as, as it was because um, I'm sure you've experienced this as a creative and maybe with the corner project is like something that was so personal is so scary to like, mm. to create something from that place. Um, and, but that alone was so exciting to, to think about and to, uh, incorporate that into what you're making and, um, oh my God, my brain just like blanked out for a second. That's what happens when you like really tap into like feeling. Yeah. That happens to me all the time, which is a good sign. Okay. Good to know. Cause sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just dumb, but I'm not <laughs> dumb. Thanks. So. Thanks I think so. that's- <laughs> no. I, like um, how funny our brains is like, if, if we are human for a little bit, then we go, oh my God, we're horrible. Right? Like what? Why? That's, and that's another mental health thing. We're like, you're right. It does. Like it all starts in the house. All of it. Yeah. Like a 360 approach 
to everything, to like being a good person. It's the same thing of like when parents teach us manners. Yeah. Like, okay, thank you for teaching me how to say please and thank you, but also teach me about equality and right. teach me about, or I guess more so inequality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like teach me about this so that I know better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like going back to the the show, maybe the feeling will come back. I don't know. But um <laughs> Is like that. That was something I really wanted to incorporate in the show. Was was it starting in the house? Because mm-hmm. um, we we're I don't I don't know if this was your experience um, growing up as a Filipino woman, but uh, family dinners were like everything to us, mm. and um, food was everything to yes. us. And like you know, no matter how busy we got, our our downtime as together with a family was dinner time, and we still do that now. Um, and it's so it's so funny thinking about it because my friends are like, you guys do this all the time? And I'm like, yeah, this this is weird to you? And they're like, yeah, this is really weird to me. Like, we don't sit down and talk. And I'm like, that's crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. We didn't have that, but that I would love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess we did a little bit. But then as we grew up, it was yeah, just kind of like cheerleading practice. And right. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully, that was a, like a consistent thing in my household. And um, But that was something I really wanted to showcase was it, it begins in the home and what happens when you step outside of that. Mm. Fun. Yeah. Oh, so it's like a depiction of like what happened to you in the fourth grade. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, love yeah. that. That would be so illuminating to see. Yeah. And oh, I, I don't know. I nice. feel like I feel like as a mixed person too, like you have so many facets to talk about. And there's I feel like there's like a million facets for people to relate to, whether whether you are uh of a minority or not. Like I feel like universally, this is what I was Oh, so mad this didn't come to me earlier. <laughs> what I was gonna say is I feel like it's a universal thing of like where do I belong? Where do I fit into? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the whole I feel like being mixed race has been so confusing because it doesn't feel like you you belong anywhere. But like anyone listening that is mixed race or in media, you have the opportunity to change people's minds. Yeah. What? When we think about like the, the power that we have as creatives, we can shift. Yeah. Easily. Yes. So why aren't we doing it better? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you were saying, I was like, it's so touchy. You're like, I don't know how to say it. Because I'm like, it's, I'm not saying like every creative do something, but I'm like, but if you have the power to actually make a change, like in the quickest way, which I think would be media, that would be cool because yeah. like, they're not going to teach it in schools. Right. Probably. I mean, I don't yeah. know. It doesn't really seem like school cares about us. Right. No, no. Because. Unless it's a scholarship or like adding to the diversity profile, but. Right. Yeah. Like. School doesn't care about us. (laughs) Like, let's talk about that. Like, what's, because what's the, okay, what is the point of school? And this is an open question. No, no wrong answers. Right. What, like, you, is it to educate us for how? Because you're not educating us. Right. You, I mean, you teach us how to read and write. Thank you so much. Right. So much. Yes. (laughs) Important skill. I, like, that was probably the best thing I ever learned from school is learning how to read and write. Like, actual tangible skills. Yes. Math. Sure, like as a DIYer, like that helps a lot in like yeah. measurements. But also, I have a calculator, and I don't <laughs> yeah. need to know yeah. how to do math. <laughs> yeah. Like, but all the things I've heard so many people talk about this. Like, it's just like kind of a joke now. Like, I wish that we learned taxes, you know, in school. It's like I've of heard course, that too, yeah, yeah, like duh, that we should have, right? But more so than that, it's like social studies. Yes. We're not learning anything about any other social right. group besides white people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like we learn about slavery, but not the the side that we should be learning from. Right. So yeah, what? Yeah. yeah. No, I who completely made, who agree. Who made the curriculum? I know. I'd like to speak to that How person. How do we edit of- this? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it was kind of, I feel like, I don't know. That's crazy to me that like you're you're in a as a child, you're in a facility for so long and you're only exposed to so much, but yet nobody's talking about what you're exposed, like what out of the house stuff is. Cause I was like, Oh God, it was like, 
when you're out of the house and you're meeting these people that you're spending so much time with and yet you're not getting educated about that. Yes. You know? Right. Another relation of another race or like another gender or something like that. It's always, I don't know. I feel like that's an essential, should be an essential thing in schools. I want to talk to some teachers. Right. That should, we, we should talk to some teachers. I would love to We'll have like a second episode where it's like us asking teachers, like what's, like how can we change what's going on? Yeah. Cause yeah, it's like, and the, this is what would be awful though. I'm thinking that like, if, if the curriculum changed and did have facets like this and kids go to school and they come home and their environment doesn't reflect the curriculum or like, you know, people have different views. Yeah. It's like, well then now there's an interpersonal relationship issue at home because they don't believe like, what if you have racist parents Right. and you're being taught in school to not be a racist? Like, do you come home as an eight year old going, that's a lot. Hey, this is, you're racist. <laughs> what? That's a lot to put on a child. Yeah. So like now, how do we, how do, Gabrielle, we need to figure out how to save the world. I know. This is, I feel like this is a very big question. <laughs> so. Oh my God. Okay. So we'll put a pin in that because I feel like this is not a one podcast situation. Episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to ask about uh, like your quarantine experience like Mm -hmm. as a creative and especially as a traditional media actor yeah is I have I have a ton of friends in the acting industry and it seems very difficult right now because like everything shut down for a while everyone's doing like a million self-tapes and it's like how what if you don't have a specific work ethic or like you do but I'm like if you in in the industry or any industry in in the pandemic like if you don't have specific work ethics or um goals how do you like deal with being a successful person if you, if you don't like if you can't hold yourself accountable that type mm-hmm. of stuff like mm-hmm. so my question is how have you held yourself accountable and like helped your creativity thrive in this time I I stayed in acting classes. <laughs> cool. I had to. I was like, because I'm, I, I know myself and I'm like, if I don't, if I don't have a deadline or if I don't uh, have some type of structure, it, it's very easy for me to, to sit and not do anything. Mm. Um, and, or like go distract myself with something else that's not productive. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super helpful to me. And I don't know, this is kind of how I've always been, even though I was working, like after, after a project, I would still, at the end of the day, I would come off a set and go straight into acting class. Um, but I, I guess that's where I learned that from. It's like, that's so valuable because you can never stop learning and and growing that way. Mm -hmm. And I learned as, as a 24 year old actress is like the more traditionally educated you are, when it comes to acting, because I've always, I've always wanted to do like a college course or like go to Juilliard or stuff like that, where like some of the greats have come from. And I feel like there's something so valuable about that. Um, so like doing this stuff kind of is my college course for this. Um, and, you know, speaking about like the Asian structure is like, I, I do feel like structure melded together with that creativity can create something so great. Yeah, I was thinking as you were saying, like going from set to class, like that's a lot of work. Like when I'm on set, I'm exhausted. It's so tiring. And so it's like to, for someone to know how exhausted you are and then still go into class, like that takes a lot of work ethic. And like, it's just like super hard work. And I wonder if like the Asian values of like being Japanese and Filipino. <laughs> we did. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Shout out to my mom and dad. Thanks guys. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but acting classes really helped. And plus it was kind of, uh, when the whole zoom wave hit, like it was nice chatting with people. Mm. Um, especially when you were like doing nothing in your house all day. Right. Um, and I mean, I was, I was quarantined with my partner, which was nice and we baked a lot. So that creativity was awesome. Um, he's quite the whiz in the kitchen. It kind of makes me upset. Oh, well that's good. He could be the kitchen. You can have the bakes. Yeah, exactly. The bakes. Exactly. Um, neither one of us want to do dishes, so nothing oh, we're yeah. going to do about oh, that. Oh my God. But, um, How come we haven't figured out something better for dishes? I don't know why. It's what, 1950s is probably when like, I don't remember when like the industrial revolution, but like, yeah. you know, like 50, I remember like 50s kitchens being like, this is a new product yeah. for this. It makes your life easier because of that. It's like, okay, so if they, I'm, I really did not fact check this. I'm gonna blindly say that the dishwasher was made around the fifties. If that's the case, how is there not a better thing yet? I know. 
I know. Have we just not like, why isn't there, this is what the dishwasher should be, (laughs) is I think it should be like, it should be a hole. (laughs) I've never thought about this before. (laughs) So it should be a hole in the countertop. Okay. But like a cute hole. And then you put the dish in it, like fully dirty. Uh, Okay. Like with the food on it. Like if you don't want to scrape it off, like that's fine. It'll do it for you because robots. Right. 2021. Let's get it together. Yep. So you put the dirty dish in there. It scrapes. The first step is like it scrapes the food off. Pa. Puts it in. the. It's like a separate um, like trash can for compost. Ooh. Oh. See? And it can set, oh my God. And it's got like little laser, not lasers, but they could tell if it's um, like, if it's compost or paper I or I see whatever. your brain working and I feel like this is going to be your next DIY project. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a scientist or a magician, <laughs> neither one of those, but okay. So it senses like what the, the genetic, the genetic makeup of the food is. So it goes, okay, if it's compost, it's that way. If it's trash, it's that way. Cool. Then the next thing it drops down into like a little bath like yeah. a warm bath and then with nothing in it, just like water, yeah. maybe like a little bit of solvent and it like get, loosens up all the grime. And then it goes down and like slots it in its like own little way mm. of like, okay, now, now we load the dishwasher. Right. And then it, then we do the cycle, yeah. wash the dishes, dries the dishes, spits the dishes out like a little ATM. Burp. Yep. That's it. And you just drop it and it's done. That's like the dishwasher. I love that idea. Why does that not I, exist? I don't know, but it should. That would make <laughs> my life so much Hate, hate, hate dishes. I hate dishes. My okay. I'm gonna let you in on a little something. Uh Oh, people are gonna think I'm be with me or not be with me. But I, I cannot touch dishes with my bare hands. Ooh, I have designated dishwasher gloves. Cute. Is it cute? I don't know. Yes, I feel like I would like that more. (laughs) I have gardening gloves. Which like makes sense because like gloves, gardening gloves, but like for that's so cool because you're like in the in the moment you're like yeah. I'm putting dishes on I'm intentionally doing dishes yeah. I will do the dishes because I'm I'm ready yeah I feel like for me it's like what? also there's like the grossness on your hands because I'm like <laughs> uh, can't <laughs> yeah oh wait I had a question about oh this is an interesting question that I want to know Act, how you've been acting since you were 11 right yeah so tiny I know <laughs> and you just like wanted to do it or like what. Yeah. So, um, I will always say this is like, I've, I've, I've come out of the womb kind of just knowing what I wanted to do. Wow. Cool. Um, I, yeah. Um, I, uh, and like the little inklings of performing and creating were there, especially when I was a kid, like when, um, I don't know why this always sticks out to me when I tell people this, but when people, when my friends would come over and we would play like house and dolls and stuff, I already had what they were going to do and what they were going to say. And I was like, oh, you had ideas. Great. But here's my vision and this is what Fine. we're going to do. Um, and then I, uh, only my boyfriend knows this and my therapist as well. But when I was in third grade, uh, High School Musical was a was a huge thing. Uh-huh. Wildcats, here we go. Yes. And I wanted to do the on and then together. And um, I casted my own people. And um, of course I was the lead, but one of, one of the, one of the, uh, people that I picked to play Troy, her, his sister was, this is so embarrassing. Oh no, for who? Might me. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, are you going to out his sister right no, now? No, 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 no. It's me. Um, but, oh my God, I don't know. This feeling of like anxiousness just came, like scaredness. It's fine. It's you don't fine. have to say it. No, no, no. It's, it's not, it's really not that bad. It's okay. just my own neuroses, but. Okay. Yeah, his sister was like, I'm gonna do it for the talent show too. And I was like, the same thing? Yeah. I was the like, same piece? Yeah. I was like, no, you're no, you're not. So I wrote her a letter. Oh my God. And I suggested another song that she could do within the letter. And I was like, you know, I thought of this first. Here's another song you could do. I think you'd be equally great at it, but this is my song. This is what I'm gonna do. And I told the brother to give it to the sister. Uh she did the thing anyway. But she I She did all this together? Yeah. Still? Yes. But my initiative was there. Honestly, I don't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> and that might be my neuroses. Like, this is why I'm not a therapist. But I'm right. like, okay, for sure. Yes, there's, we have work to do here. If I was your therapist. Yeah. But then I was like, well, you gave her an option. Like, yeah. you, you, but the thing is like, for the greatness of the show, <laughs> you don't want to do a double number. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe that's where my little kid mind was at. I don't know, but... <laughs> But okay, so you started at 11. Um, what have you learned in acting classes since you said you've never stopped even the pandemic? Like what have you learned in acting classes that has helped you in real life too? Oh, um, 
One of one of the I mean I've been I've been going to the studio for eight years. Um, the teacher Zach Barnett is basically my second father. Cool. Um, but he is all encompassing of what he thinks an artist is, which is your craft, your uh, activism, and qualities about you that make you like quote unquote like a star. And uh, he teaches that very deeply in his curriculum. And what I loved about it and still do is we have these um, these practices that he uh, sends home with us. And like there's um, morning pages, which is like, uh, for those of you who don't know, like you wake up in the morning and like for 15 minutes you write in a, in a journal and you don't stop for those 15 minutes. Like you don't, you do not take the pen off of the page for 15 straight minutes. And, um, <clears throat> and there's things like the great, right. A grateful list, writing 10 things that you're grateful for or like fear inventory is the one I do pretty often. And it's tell like, me about this. So fear inventory is where either it's a, it's a huge thing that you're scared of or a tiny thing that you're scared of or something that you're just fearful of in the moment. And just writing all those things down. Mm. And that's where it can stop. And usually uh, from my other peers, they do the grateful list right afterwards. Mm. But one thing that my teacher does that I started to do was, uh, what do you think your higher higher self would do in relation to that fear? It's not exactly to solve it, but it's like, how do you you treat that fear? Like, how does your highest self or whatever you believe in would want you to treat this fear? Um, You learned that in acting class? Yeah. Baby, you're going to therapy. Like, I think your studio is a therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's so funny. I didn't even think about that until just now. But like, yeah, no, it is. It's I've been therapy for eight years. since I I love that so much. I cannot wait. Well, because his his whole thing is like the more connected you are to yourself, the more connected you are to a character. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, just having those practices. And that was really helpful during quarantine for sure. Yeah. Especially when you like had just had those like bleak days of like we're doing the same thing over again. Just like having those little tidbits of exercises was just like, okay, like I can I can get through another day of this. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So when you are approaching doing a character, how does all of those three exercises help with like preparing for a role? Well, one one each one has their own intention. And uh, the morning pages is like, helping your subconscious come to your consciousness and help it leak out more. And I know that for me, like that's where all of my, and I'm sure you feel this too, is like mm-hmm. when you're doing something creative, you just, you'd like instinctively, you're like your instrument instinctively knows yeah. what, like it, this, like you're on the right path almost. Um, and so that's usually what I start out with whenever I get an audition is just I'll dump whatever brain stuff I have and then like I'll read it and then, you know, make little little notes of stuff that come to my brain after the morning pages and like see how that will incorporate afterwards. Notes of what came to you in morning pages into the role? Well, like after notes of what, uh, after that whole brain dump thing, like once the creative juices start flowing and what my subconscious is trying to tell me about whatever it feels when it reads this thing, I'll make a note of it and see if it's like, okay, let's add, add this to this and add this to that. Wait, okay. Can you tell me like more about that? Cause <laughs> sure. I, I am not an actress yeah. and I'm not in that world, but I love psychology. Yeah. And so this is so interesting yeah. because when I first moved here, I was in acting classes and did not like it. Like really? acting, love acting for other people, but like not, not for me, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> And so I'm like listening to what you're saying and remembering what I went through. And so I think it's so fascinating to, to hear the exact, hopefully it's fascinating for other people that like maybe aren't in the acting world. But like, if you don't know anything about acting auditions, basically you could probably say it better because I haven't been to one in so long, but like you'll get sides <laughs> yeah, and then t- walk, walk someone through like what it's All like. All right. So in a, in a, daily dose of being an actor, uh, you usually get a little ping in your email and it's called audition. And then you read the audition, you you get all the information about what the project is, what the network is, uh, who the producers are, director, and then you get a little uh, excerpt breakdown about your character and the project. And underneath all of that is a, uh, is a scene. And uh, they're usually called sides. And you study that scene, you embody that character, you put yourself on tape or, you know, when in-person auditions were a thing, that's what you would go do. You would perform it live in front of people. And then, you know, the whole system of things happen afterwards of casting. But um, 
Yeah, yes. what happens. That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so by the time you get the the scene or the sides, you when you're reading that, that's when you write the notes of what your subconscious is thinking as you're reading it. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it doesn't even matter what it is. I mean, I I remember. It's like, <laughs> I remember one of like just reading a line or like what I envisioned like a reaction would be to something. I was like, this reminds me of a nice warm cookie. And I put that in the, in the thing, oh. in like a little note. So that, so now when you are performing that scene, you're going to remember the cookie feeling? Yeah. Or like sometimes it's like the nice foundation of what other things need to be laid on top of this, like other character work as well. That's so interesting. Cause it's like, it's like a little bit of like me in there. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so important because like, I, to be feeling based. And this is like my whole philosophy is like feelings first. Yeah, It's like when you're reading a scene and you think of a warm cookie, it's like, okay, if I can remember, um, like that's the, the start of how I'm feeling during this line, then I'll think of other things, like you said, that, that make you feel even more that feeling so that when you're running through the scene, you've not rehearsed the emotions of the yeah. scene or like the faces you want to make. Right. You are remembering the feeling. Yeah. That is massive. Yeah. Every time I was like trying to audition for something, I would like say like, oh, this is how it would sound cool. Or like, this is yes. what my face should look yeah, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's like so backwards. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's a, it's a good, it's a good gateway because those, those are your instincts coming out. But right. at the same time, it's like, you're, you're not telling the story to yourself. You're telling the story to yourself. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that brings like such a layer of authenticity to any role that makes so much sense. Yeah. Which makes it even more heartbreaking when you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you're not right for this role. You're just not right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that, that was, that was really hard to go through. Like, especially like when I was little, like I, I, was auditioning like crazy when I was a teenager, like a like 16, 17, 15 teenager, like in the midst of my teenage <laughs> And like getting rejected like that is is hard oh, when you're a yeah. teenager. Because not only because you're going through it with boys and then you're going through it with your so-called job that you a job that you want to do. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> so what what was your relationship with uh rejection then versus now? It's very different. Now. Oh yeah? I um blame it on hormones, whatever. But like anytime I would get something really big, I, I was like, I'm done. I'm quitting. I don't want to do this anymore. And then now as a 20 year old woman, I'm just like, all right, at least I know my work was good. At least I know that my work was good. I yes. know where it came from. I know what my intentions were with this. And I, I am okay with leaving it at the door. Yes. Um, and what was the change over time? How did you get there? I think just realizing that um, weirdly enough, I think just realizing how wacky the business is mm -hmm. and there is not a direct way to get to where you want to be. Um, I, I, I tell my partner this all the time. I was like, if we end up having children, I hope to God that she's an accountant. <laughs> this stuff is hard. Um, I mean, of course I would never stop her, but it's just like sure. this – I mean, I've said this to other people too. And um, when I used to mentor classes, I would say that there's there's not a direct way. I mean, like you have a role or a goal in this in this industry and you have to – there is a zigzag way, a, a twist, a, a turn, a right, left, up, down. You don't know how you're going to get it. It's a Bush Gardens roller coaster. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. But uh, – and that's the reason why I appreciated school so much is like, you know, you study hard, you get an A for the test. Easy. Right. Sane. Direct. That keeps you very sane. Keeps me sane at least. Um, but with this, it's it's so so wacky and unconventional. And but I also learned that that that's okay because your job is wacky. It's unconventional. You put feelings out for people to feel stuff for themselves. Like it, that's not going to be an easy <laughs> thing to to gain. Um, but also, I feel like you know, just growing up in general is like gaining confidence in yourself and being like, I'm, I'm okay with what I did and what I brought to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Just like acceptance. I think that's yeah. been such a blessing yeah. growing up. Like, I, I don't even know if I could, it comes off like confidence in my realm, but like, it's just accepting. Yeah. And I think that's like so important for people yeah. to hear that. Like I was so, so highly unconfident 
like in my beginning years, especially even on YouTube. Like when you started watching me, it was like very unconfident. Yeah. I like oh, really? didn't know what you I was- I never known. <laughs> you never known, kid. <laughs> I, ne- I just like didn't know what I was doing. And I think like through the years, I was just like a little bit more comfortable with myself and like doing a lot of like authentic work and therapy to be like, oh, it's okay if I'm not confident right now. I accept that I don't feel confident. Yeah. And I think the self-acceptance is like, the. I wish I could bottle that up and like give it to people. Yeah. <sighs> And myself on those days. Cause it's like, (laughs) some days I'm going to be very confident. Some days I'm mm, no, but like, like you said, like everything is, it is not a one way. It's a zigzag. Getting to where you are has been a zigzag. Same for me. It's like success is not a one way road. Mental health is not a one way road. And I, I guess saving the world is not a one way road, but this is a start. Yeah. As you can clearly hear from our debate, (laughs) (laughs) this is, so much fun. Yay. Tell people where they can find you on the internet. Where I am on the internet is uh, Instagram mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at It's just my name, at Gabrielle. Very cool. I feel like Madonna. That's awesome. I know. When I had a PR team and they told me that uh, they did that for me, I didn't realize how much of a commodity it was until I got DM'd about like pe- people are willing to pay like money for just, for the, just the name. name. And I'm like, that's insane whoa so crazy but yes you can find me on instagram at just at gabrielle uh twitter at gabrielle elise and on my podcast in the mix with gabrielle elise that's pretty much everywhere on the internet yes check her out everywhere she's a damn delight thank you so much this was so much fun we will find some teachers and we're gonna both talk to them i would actually really love to do that that. would be really fun yeah okay check that out whenever it comes (laughs) okay (laughs) bye that was a headgum podcast. <laughs> <laughs>